Get ready for an absolute disaster. It's Have You Seen? Hello everyone, welcome to Have You Seen? This week we are talking a disaster movie and uh, about the producers of some disastrous movies. It is Airport 1975 and Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films, which is a heck of a mouthful. I, as always, am uh, Kieran Disaster Lefort, which makes him Tom Movie Web. Hello. Well, you've made Hello. a movie and I'm generally a disaster, so... Yeah, okay, that's, I think that's a very fair I think that's, a, fair I think that's about fair. Yeah. Um... Any important notes before we jump into it? No, I don't think so. I mean, why not just crack straight in, I think? Okay, well, um, I've had a change of microphone, uh, which hopefully will be better than the old £7 jobby I used to have. Uh, and um, I've only had a chance to test it once. So if it's good, brilliant. If it's bad, I'm sorry. Uh, it looks pretty swish. It does look pretty swish, yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't need a pop shield and I can... Wow. You know, it was took seconds yeah. to set up as opposed to minutes for the previous one so yeah mine probably should have a pop shield but i just you know the aesthetics of it look better without so fair enough slave to the aesthetics exactly yeah. so um i don't know if they were slaves to the aesthetics or not but um menaham goran golan yeah Men- menaham goran and yoram globus were the two men yeah. behind canon films uh, yeah. which were a schlocky production house, I guess, in the 80s. Were they, I mean, were they even... I guess they were a production house, weren't they? Um, they were distributor, really. Were they distributor? Well, no, they made guess, stuff no, as no. well. They were end-to-end yeah. because they ended up uh, owning yeah. cinemas. I remember I, the Canon cinema chain in the UK. I, I, I think that's what... I think what we're getting to here is what makes them so unique is yes. that they did not fit into the Hollywood models. No, they did not. Uh, they are, however, the subject of Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films, which is a documentary by, I really should have written down the director's name, <laughs> um, uh, which is about the story of these two crazy Israeli cousins who uh, came to the US uh, around the late 70s, early 80s, uh, and purchased Canon Films, which was an existing uh, studio, uh, and... Uh, proceeded to churn out every shitty 80s straight-to-video action movie you've ever heard of. Um, You will, at the very least, have heard of uh, Masters of the Universe, the movie starring Dolph Lundgren, and Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, Uh, Death Wish 2 through 5. What else did they make? Uh, They were going to make a Spider-Man film at some point. I think they made the live-action Captain America before Marvel... Did got the really rights back. That? Yeah, the cheap Captain America film in yeah, 1990, I think it was. Yeah, did they? I, did, they didn't do the, they didn't do the the 70s Spider-Man movies, did they? The late. Uh, they were well. They were like all, the one in Hong they were TV Kong movies. Yeah. Okay. So um, probably not then. So no, they they did mm. actually make theatrical pictures as well. Um, yeah, I mean, quite a lot were theatrical, weren't they? I mean, yeah, but I think uh, outside the US, a lot of them went straight to video. Yeah, yeah, I can see um, that. I, I have, wrote a list of the ones I've seen. Yeah, that they they went over in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I I haven't looked at like a proper back catalogue of their mm. things, but just about the movies that they mentioned in the film. I was surprised at how many I've seen. Because you last week when I mentioned them, you were a bit. I don't know who these people are, and I said you've seen at least one. You've seen Master of the Universe. Yeah, I I remember the 
Golem Globus, I remember Canon, and, yeah. and, and like so, I know of it, but I didn't know much about them yeah. per se. Um, so looking at it now, I had seen King Solomon's Mines, mm-hmm. Delta Force, Over the Top, Master of the Universe, Superman: The Quest for Peace, and there was another one as well, but I can't remember which it was. Uh, Breaking um, Two, Electro Boogaloo. No, it might. I think I've seen. I th- I have seen one of the Chuck Norris ones. Okay. Uh, one of the missing in actions. I, th- I think it's one of the missing in okay. actions. I, I suspect it might be the second one because it was rubbish. Right. And the but first the second one, one which was, was actually the second really, yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what I. I'm pretty sure I've seen one of those. I have a feeling I've seen other movies they made as well. I can't right. remember if they made Megaforce or not. But I've it's seen not that. mentioned in this doc anyway. No, it's not. Um, I will say now, I have no notes about the actual film itself, about the documentary. It's all about the people, the stuff they made. Uh, And I think this actually, I was thinking about it today, this actually reminded me of when we did um, Supermensch, The Legends of Shep Gordon. Yes, yes. In that this is a film that the, the subject matter is much more interesting than the filmmaking. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think because it's just a standard Talking Heads documentary. It is, it is edited but, incredibly fast and moves at a yeah. hell of a pace. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I, what I would say is, that, like, you know, it, the format is a, a fairly standardised format, mm. but it works very, very well, mm. and it's cut very, very well. So it's, yes. it's well made, and um, everybody has a story about these people, it, exactly. and they're not and afraid to tell it. Yeah, it's just not one of those things like Senna or um, no. Or what was, uh, what was the other doc we did? Um, the Imposter. It's not mm. like those documentaries that that kind of did something a bit different with. The no, format. they were they were they were cinematic. They yeah. part of that cinematic documentary yeah. kind of yeah. craze, and, you know, if it's, you like. It's, exactly, and it's one of those things with documentary filmmaking. You've got to make sure that it's the right format for the yeah. subject matter. And and I think just letting people tell these stories yeah. is exactly what this needs to be. Yeah. Um. You know. Yeah. And it's not it's, a bunch of no names. There's people like uh, oh no, Elliot no. Gould, Bo Derrick, yeah. uh, John Lundgren. Frankenheimer. Um, yeah. Like be, people who've actually been something in the film industry have got yeah, yeah. Gollum and Globus stories. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that they had the time to do it. Like, you know, you could approach people like that. And even yeah. though they might not have had the best experience of it, 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 it clearly was such a unique experience yeah or, it might just I don't know be... Whether it would be fun but it's like it, it, it still motivated people to yeah. want to take part in the documentary yeah, but the documentary is interesting the documentary has ended up fun yes that's uh, true but i think a lot of the stories are finally i can tell the truth about these bastards yes yeah i agree with that there are some people like... who obviously hated them the guy from yes. mgm obviously hated them yeah, uh, yeah, the woman who sets a- fire to her own video, the video set of her own movie, obviously hated them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, you can see why. Mm. Like, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things that you can't you can't uh, take away from what they managed to achieve just mm. by sheer force of personality yeah. in some regards. Um, but you know, not particularly likable people by the sound of it. It, you know, it, they definitely seem like the sort of people that if you're on their side, if they're if you're part of their clique, you're you're. I think it's treated all about, like a king. Yeah, I think it's all about wavelength because, like, mm, Franco yeah, Zeffirelli love them. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like he calls but that's because so he, he got 
it's interesting because the filmmakers got that got creative freedom loved them. Yeah. The stars who were treated badly yes. or particularly by um, uh, the, the one who directed that actually directed Gollum. the movies. Yeah. Gollum, yeah. Like, you know, like Shirley Winters. Was it Shirley Winters? Having massive rows with him. Oh, everybody did. had massive rows with him. Exactly. And, and he the was The row with Elliot Gould is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like, you know, he clearly comes from that school of directing of you do as i say and yeah. you and and pushing actors almost kind of like kubrick to an extent of that yeah. kind of uh, manipulation and border well not even possibly borderline but abuse of yeah. people to get what they want out of it i mean was it there's a story of him pointing a machine gun at a pilot making yeah. him fly a plane that yes. he was too tired to fly and all of that kind of stuff and you're like okay that's that's you know that's taking this too far yeah you know. but i like the story the the reverse of that which is barbe schroeder taking a chainsaw into their office and threatening to cut off a finger for every day his movie is held up because they're not giving him money and they're like no problem have your money <laughs> yeah yeah it, it seems to be like there's a definite you're right there's a definite type of person and a definite wavelength that connect mm. with them um yeah not so much the hollywood Times. No, no. People who have been treated and paid well so far would like to continue yes. to be treated and paid well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But uh, as I mentioned last week, so they are responsible for uh, launching um, a lot of like people and crazes of the 80s. So like there was an mm. 80s craze for ninja movies and Canon started that. Uh, yeah. Chuck Norris took off as a movie star in the 80s. He'd done a movie with Bruce Lee in the 70s and he'd done a few like martial arts movies, but they then mm. put him in what at the time were big action pictures um, yeah. and made him a star. Jean-Claude Van Damme got uh, one of his first leading roles uh, and got to edit his own movie yeah, uh, under crazy. them. Uh, they, in they introduced the craze of breakdancing to the mainstream in 1984 when it was an underground like New York movement. Yeah, um, yeah, they introduced the Lambada. I don't. I remember as a kid the Lambada craze hitting the UK, and they were yeah. responsible for that. Yeah, and I was separately, in primary school. Separately, because happened. they split up and made two separate Lambada movies at the same time. <laughs> one of them had the great. rights to the song "The Lambada," and the other one had the rights to the word "The Lambada." <laughs> and what I what I loved about that was it was always about beating the other movie to market. Yeah. So when there were other breakdancing movies, or if there was a Lambada one, they would they would have to be first. And uh, one of the, my favourite bits at the end is the very end of this, where yes. there's a title title that comes up and says we we asked them to take part. They said no. They made their own documentary and beat us out by three months. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like that's <laughs> that is it so sums them up. Them, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting, yeah. like. I'd say this movie is 80% Golan. Like Yoram mm. Globus is the background man because he's the, yeah. I think he's the smaller he's the personality and he's, he's, yeah, he's the money and the business. Whereas yeah. uh, Golan was the, was the movie and the flash. Yeah, absolutely. But together they had personalities that, that worked. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with that. A bit like That's us clear. really. You're the quiet one and I'm the noisy one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems to have worked for about 20 years so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. And it, but you know, it's like they they introduced this essentially this concept of like having this model of uh, 
funding a movie by selling it before you've made it yeah uh, or using international sales mm-hmm. and then recouping essentially recouping that on a domestic u.s box office yep um you know we and, have and reviewed that- a movie that was made like that uh so mm. do you remember when we did juan of the dead back in season yes. one yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. i discovered that when i went to the 2010 Cannes film festival uh, mm. and i interviewed the director and he had a big stand he had a big um uh booth at the Cannes film market and loads of promotional items and he's like yeah we've written a script we shot a little trailer and next year we're going to make the movie and then a couple mm. of years later the finished movie came out and that's how it was made he had a concept and a trailer and he pre-sold it and used all of that money as his film budget yeah. So it was still yeah. even like I imagine it's still going to say even as even ten years ago, it was uh, it was still common practice in that low low to no budget range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people people do still do that, and I mean, obviously now you've got the addition of things like crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of takes that to the next level, essentially getting your fan base already yeah. up front to pay for the movie. Yep, um, we've re- re- reviewed a movie like that too, which I yeah. kick money into Laser Team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, and then obviously with all the streaming services like Prime Video and mm. uh, Netflix and Hulu and you know, God, there are hundreds of them now. Oh, they keep um, cropping up. Like subscribing like to them all costs you more than an old cable bill used to. Exactly. That's the. Some, I saw somebody say actually, have we just reinvented cable? Yeah, pretty um, much. By by doing that, and it's and it's that's that's again a, a completely new model, mm. um, which started off. Almost like that direct-to-video market where they would hoover up loads of stuff, but now with the originals, that's changing again. So yeah, it's direct it's, to Netflix now. And, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 difficult to keep up with that though. Mm. The way these markets are shifting, so I feel like you're never gonna. Well, maybe you will, but people like them are never gonna have the success that they had. Even no. though they didn't have a huge amount of success, unless I mean, they, they unless unless. You own your own streaming platform, which yeah. only like the big budget people yeah. like, you know, Disney and Netflix and Amazon mm. do. I yeah, mean, there's things yeah. like Shudder, which caters to horror, but I don't think yeah. they make original content. No, not as far as I'm aware. Um, I don't really know how, that, how how their models work. And, no. You know. I want an 80s Hong Kong one that's just full of like. Yeah. That be- Corey Yun movies and. Yes. Uh, all the old crap that Summer Hung used to churn out in the eighties. Yes, that would be really cool. Actually, yeah. I'd subscribe to that for yeah. a couple of months. Can someone bring back Hong Kong Legends and yeah. have them set up a streaming service? That's a great idea. Mm. Absolutely great idea. Shit, turn so, yeah. the mics off. We might need to talk to some people. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so it's interesting. Like the you know, it's funny, but I think making movies now is easier than it ever has been before. With cameras being yeah. way cheaper than they used to be like all the production equipment is getting mm. cheaper and you know seemingly you've got a lot of places you can put stuff now um it's the it's so making the movies i think is becoming very easy distributing mm. them getting them in front of people is becoming easier making the money yes still yes. is the hard bit and isn't really happening as far yeah, as the I actual see, the actual you know? practical uh, yeah. like shooting and putting together of a film is easier than it's ever been like can you imagine how much stuff we would have made of teenagers if we'd Mm. have had iphones in our pockets exactly every kid today is carrying around a film studio in their pocket whether they know it or not or whether they're interested in that or not yeah um you know and the platforms are there for them to just distribute this stuff now yeah i mean Um, you just have to see like you see like 
groups of kids in in various countries in Africa who who are using oh. mobile phones to remake action movies. And did you see like, that that remake of the Extraction trailer? The the kids no, from I Nigeria. I, oh, I, it's, I, it's amazing. I'll share I, it with you. It's I, amazing because I've seen a bunch of stuff and it's just like. Oh wow! Like you know, they they're really taking on board like how the shots are framed and mm. how the stunts are done, and it, and it's just like okay, you know, any anyone can do this. It's like only now. because yeah, it's uh, the only difference is they have wheelbarrows for cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But apart from that, though, I think when it was easier back then, it was like if you were part of that system. Like they say in there, like there's a guy who says, you know, today's January the fourteenth. You're shooting on March the seventh. Here's seven hundred thousand dollars. Go and make me a ninja movie in seven weeks. Like, mm. imagine being given that freedom. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Pressure, but fun. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it might get recut by... Yeah, exactly. And reshot yeah. by Colin afterwards, but... Yeah. One, one, there was a movie that... Um, one of the ones that I hadn't seen uh, that I thought, oh, actually, it looks kind of interesting. I'd quite, I'd quite like to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, which one which was, was um, Runaway Train. Yes, that's on my list too. So there's three of their films that I want to see. Okay, what uh, the Ninja Three: The Domination, oh, which is oh, a combination wait, of a ninja Exorcist, movie, ninja, The Exorcist, yeah, Flash Dance, yeah, I yeah, wrote that yeah, down, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Life Force. Oh, that's on Netflix, I think. Yes, it is, and it yeah. kind of has kind of like a even beyond this, it has kind of like a cult legendary status mm. in sci-fi circles because it is just so balls to the wall crazy. Yeah, I, it's one of those movies when you're browsing and you're thinking, I want to watch something. I haven't seen four, so maybe a bit cheesy from the eighties. Mm. And it comes up, and I, I always hover on it and think, oh, this, this, this. I think it shows up and a lot on Netflix on. because it fits in every single genre at once. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> one day I'll watch it. But yeah, yeah. that has that. Maybe we should do it. Bit. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Just sight unseen. We'll keep it in yeah. the back pocket for yeah, a fallow okay. week. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say about it because, like, th- there's not much to talk about with the film. It's all about the subject matter. It is, yeah. I think the. Uh... I am tempted to call this episode Would You Fuck This Monkey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's perfect. <laughs> I'll probably get taken off iTunes immediately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely would. I think uh, something that's really interesting is uh, how, like, Michael Winner comes out of this so badly. Oh, yes. And. I mean, he was. I called him a rude name last week, but like, yeah, good he, lord, yeah, he was. He never came across as a nice guy or or or, or that or anything like that. You know, I think people kind of got won over by him when he did the car insurance ads. Yeah, I think here. so too. But uh, just not a nice man. But I can no. see, I can see exactly why him and Golem hit it off. Yeah, I think they're two peas in a pod. Those two in the way they treated people, hmm. um, but yeah, it really kind of highlights that a winner seemed to really sort of get off on the violence and the particularly towards yeah. women. Like the misogyny mm. part of it was just it's yeah. repellent. He's an awful man. Yeah, it really, really is. And uh, you know, I've only seen I've only seen the first Death Wish, hmm. and that kind of had a, you know, that's got that's got some merit to it in terms of mm. its message well not necessarily maybe in its messaging but in, in in the subject matter that it deals with and yeah looking at looking at these things it, it's like he's been given license to go into the really dark and nasty stuff that yeah. he gets a personal kick out of um so yeah it didn't didn't kind of make me want to watch those because i've always kind of thought oh, i'll probably watch the other death wish mm. movies at some point because i know that three is supposed to be really ridiculous and 
you know, it might be fun to watch them, but actually this has really sort of put me off those. Yeah. Um, no, I have no, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a Michael Winner film and I really don't want to. No. Have you not seen the first Death Wish? No. Okay. It, the first Death I Wish always is... like. I always like the gag in The Simpsons, Death Wish 7. Ugh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should... Um... You, yeah, you should watch the first Death Wish. I think it's 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 worthy of watching. Um, but yeah, the others are definitely not. And like, the, I think the only other note, the other only other movie that might be kind of fun to watch is the Lufric No Hercules. Oh, because uh, I do have the note. We've already done like, one awful Hercules movie. I know, and I just like this kind of looks better. I wasn't entirely sure it wasn't the same film, to be honest. Yeah, at first, yeah. Uh, but then <laughs> they look like they had the same like three pound budget. Yeah, well, they, he fights a bear, but I think Lou yes. gets to throw him into space. Yeah, but does the bear like throw a left hook at him, like <laughs> the one in Hercules, New York, who See, clearly had some boxing training? These are the questions that need answering. That's why we, we oh, probably need man. to watch it. You're going to sink yeah. this show. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we need to cover? Do no, you think it's worth watching? Really. Do you think this documentary is worth watching for people who are interested yeah. in films and people who aren't interested in films? I, I, th I think it's definitely worth watching if you're interested in films. I think it's because I think particularly it's... if you're of our our age group, I think yes. who like who yeah. will have seen things like the He Man movie and that kind of stuff, and has like that is probably one of their better films to be honest. Oh, it absolutely, is by the look oh, of all the others. So, an aside, but an attached aside. Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix at the moment um, called Power of Greyskull, which oh, is about okay. the entirety of the He-Man franchise from its yeah, creation. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a section in it where they talk about the movie. Yeah. Uh, and they've got Dolph Lundgren and they've got Frank Langella. Frank Langella loved playing Skeletor. Okay. He absolutely loved it. Like right. even like spending three hours putting the makeup on every day. Like he really loved playing that part because he got to go nuts and be like a yeah. Shakespearean nutcase in a skull mask. Nice. Um, but the bit I remember is the uh, the one of the stunt guys who also played like the the bladed villain who I think was just called Blade. Right. Yeah. Um, he had a nickname for He Man's sword because it was so big. He called it Buick Slayer. <laughs> nice. I think anyway, I've seen, sorry. I, I think I've seen the uh, they did the, like a toy toys that made me or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, toys that made us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen that one on uh, on yeah. He Man. Um, yeah, but the the thing that I wrote down, which is a quote uh, from a, a guy, he kept getting billed as a music supervisor, but apparently he was also a script editor or a, or a, a, some kind of like... I think it was one of those cottage industries where once you yeah. were through the door, you did whatever you just, they asked you. Yeah. Or you um, didn't have a job the next day. Yeah, it, it, it's... Um, he, he said a Garland Globus film completely resembles something minus taste. Yeah, I wrote... That what pretty is much it? sums up everything. Yes, I wrote. I the one I wrote down was what they didn't have in taste. They made up for in enthusiasm. Yes, yeah, that's again that that yeah. So I think it yeah. is definitely worth watching if you're interested in in movies. Outside of that, I'm not sure, because um, I think it's it's what what becomes very apparent and interesting is just the way they went about it in terms mm. of the the industry and how that's changed now. And the sheer um, amount of product products they pushed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you never know. <laughs> they the were ideas. asylum, but they weren't knowingly making yes. shit. <laughs> They were yes. asylum, but thought they were good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. They were kind of like the next uh, Roger Corman plus. Yeah, they're the three John they between yeah. Roger Corman and Asylum. I guess. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. That's uh, Electric Boogaloo, mm -hmm. uh, and we never explained the title really, but it doesn't really matter.
everybody knows the phrase electric boogaloo right it gets attached to like every possible sequel going it's that or so, die yeah. harder are they always like yeah. the joke like sequel subtitles so moving on i guess to uh airport 1975 yeah uh which i will let you recap okay so um i pitched this just because i knew it would be reviewed on episode three and we did airport of episode on episode three of season uh-huh. one um and uh did you not put any more thought into it than that no 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 no, i did um i i i pitched it just because it's it's one of those movies that it i mean it's clearly a huge influence on airplane and um it's it's kind of fun fun to to look back on that it's also one of those kind of classic disaster movies like those i think i think always refers to them as sunday afternoon movies where you can put it on and it doesn't necessarily matter if you're paying that much attention. You can walk away Apart for half for an hour. Show you have to write notes for it. Yeah, of course. You could walk away for half an hour and come back and still know what was <laughs> yeah, going on, yeah. sort of thing. Um, you know those those kind of movies. And I always kind of ha- like that kind of thing. On like you just put on a really long movie that you could do that with. I think this one's just shy of two hours though. Mm. Um, the basic premise of it is um, a. 747 is doing its usual flight and uh, it gets hit by a light aircraft hit right in the cockpit and (laughs) which sounds painful just when you say it yeah and uh, takes out all three of the crew uh, two die and then the captain's essentially sort of blinded by uh, injury blinded Uh, and only able to speak one or two important words at a time yes yeah that yeah that autopilot (laughs) <laughs> on yeah for um, example and and it leaves a massive gaping hole in the side of the cockpit um, conveniently large enough to fit charlton heston through exactly which yeah. which becomes a, a a plot point later on and um and the air stewardess basically has to learn to fly a 747 mid-flight yep um and it's it's ridiculous and it's it's, it's exactly what you want it to be and what it is and it's you know there's a whole bunch of I, I, less so than the subsequent one, um, but you've got Charlton Heston and uh, George Kennedy and um, is it uh, Gloria Swanson? Kind of slightly plays a variation of herself. Well, and, she's credited as herself. Yeah, and uh, um, and the same, and they did they do that gag with airpl- in airplane with yeah. um, God, I can't remember her name. Uh, somebody who was like the same kind of era and star powers. Yes, that's right. Gloria Is it Merna Loy? Uh, uh, Ethel Merman. Ethel Merman. That's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, and uh, oh god, Linda Blair is the young girl. Linda Blair, uh, Sid yeah. Caesar, who yes, would go Sid on Caesar, to be like yeah. a big deal in comedy. Uh, Jerry Stiller, yeah. uh, Eric Estrada, who would then star yes. in Chips in the late seventies yeah. and early eighties, is uh, the flight engineer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I kept. I wrote down the cast as they appeared on on screen, and like the font just kept getting bigger and had more exclamation marks <laughs> after them because I couldn't believe all the silly names that were in this film. I know, and and it's one of those. See, that's kind of what's sort of fun about it is that you just like, oh my god, that's that's so and so, and they yeah. have like a bit part, or you know, and it's, you know, it, it, yeah, it's just it's just a fun, big, silly, dumb disaster movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that and that's it, really. What did you What did you make of it? Um, Was it not your cup of tea? Much like Smokey and the Bandit, 
it's yeah. both great and shit at the same time. Yes. And yeah. a little bit underwhelming, but that might just be my 2020 eyes. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, yeah. Like, I th- I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it felt smaller scale than it needed to be. Yes. Yeah, That's when I, th- I found out it had a budget of $3 million mm. and then made $47 million just in the US. So it did all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of, you know, it continued and, and consolidated that franchise. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's funny because it's, it's one of those films you just kind of, like, you know, I say you just, you just put it on and it, it's just, it's almost like a background movie these days, but you can see how like people would have loved it in the cinema at that time, even though yeah. the rear, the rear projection is, awful oh yeah and like the, but some the of it's effects. really good so like yeah. all the exteriors of the actual plane mm. are yeah. really good uh like yeah. all of the all the all the aerial shots of it mm. um i found out um that plane cost them thirty thousand dollars a day to rent from american airlines yeah um all the exterior shots were shot in two days yeah apart from the evening uh, apart from the evening taxi and takeoff shots um they they were being shot as it was being delivered before they officially had permission to film it. Amazing. Uh, I, and the plane was still in use until 2005. What? That's It got crazy. refitted as a cargo plane and was in use until 2005 and then they that's finally got common. scrapped in 2011. That That's that's quite common. Bear in know. mind this was shot in 1974. Yeah. 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 I mean, those those planes do go for like 40 or so years and mm. uh because i mean the 747 was still fairly new at that point i think they yes first flight was 69 i think so you know it was quite a big deal to get that aircraft and there's it's even still a big deal to go on one now yeah i guess yeah it, it's Particularly the jumbo pl- jet isn't it it's like it is, it's a yeah. it's a legendary aircraft yeah 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 i guess it, the only thing that compares to it now is the a380 the big double-decker airbus yeah um and I've been on a 747, but not an A380. Shame here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of uh, kind of iconic, I guess, in yeah. that way. And the uh, like you were saying about the exterior shots, the, all those exterior shots were the ones that were reused for the episode of The Incredible Hulk. Oh yeah, you mentioned that last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is just amazing. Yeah. Um, you can see all the bits airplane spoof before they even happen. Hmm. Like I, I've got a list. Like yeah, the note above that says: child, nuns, drunk comedians, movie star, kidney patient, a dog, a horny crew, filthy old women, guitar. Yeah, it's it's all in there. And yeah. you just I actually just... so I watched this uh, yesterday morning, and then mm. last night when I went to bed, I put on Airplane oh, because oh, I nice. just had this compunction to watch it, this compulsion yeah. to watch it. Um, and like, if you didn't, you could probably chop them together and make one serious movie you could absolutely. and no and like you could swap parts about and people wouldn't realize people wouldn't know yeah one of my i think i think uh charlton heston's opening line is uh, uh somebody somebody says to him how i am uh, serious and don't call me shirley <laughs> some, so, uh, somebody says to him um oh you know you're, you're back how is europe and he just goes yeah still there yeah and he's just <laughs> And you're just like, oh god! I actually wrote kind of down sets a, up the tone. I wrote down a whole load of quotes. Well, really, you really want okay. to sail a 35 footer all the way to Hawaii? Is that a problem? No, you have an all girl crew. My first mate wouldn't dig that. Why not? My first mate is my wife. 
again, it's it's got a very seventies attitude towards women. But, it but does, was, which led to one of my favourite lines, which is before that, right. where um, uh, Charlton Heston and Karen Black run into each other in an airport because he's a what is he? Is he a pilot? Is he still an active pilot, or is he just? Like a consultant yeah. with the airline, or no? Because she's an active stewardess. Yeah, she's the uh, woman who flies the plane. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of like either a senior pilot or he's slightly above that. He's like yeah. kind of a consultancy sort of yeah, person. Yeah, and they're uh, in a relationship, and they run yeah. into each other in an airport, and mm. like she, he wants to go and have it off, yeah. uh, which is a phrase that needs to make a comeback, by the way. Um, <laughs> and um, she's like, pretty much, no, I wanted to talk to you to dump you. Mm. Um, uh, mentioning they've been together for six years, and she says, I'm tired of one-night stands. If you've been together for six years, that is not a one-night stand. That's not the meaning of that phrase. No. What, what I do quite like about this, though, is there are those very 70s attitudes toward women, particularly like Eric Estrada's character and stuff like that. But yeah. all through the film, Charlton Heston's actually trying to tell her that he loves her and that he yes. wants to progress this relationship. Yes. And also I've never heard the word honey as much as I have in this film. No. He says it he calls her that every other line. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the the other thing is that it's like they uh even even though the men are like that, the women are quite kind of uh they're quite strong in retaliation. Like they don't necessarily do things, but but it's the women that kind of have to come through. Like it's the yeah. stewardess that have to sort out the plane. So that you know, with the exception of Charlton Heston sort of coming to the rescue because he's the lead, mm. a lot of the actual response to the danger is dealt with by yes. the by the women on the plane. Um, and I think that kind of that that kind of comes across quite well and 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 works really well. Um, but you're right, there is a bit when um. Charlton Heston and George Kennedy are following the uh, aeroplane and watching it and uh, Charlton Heston just watches the movement of the plane and goes she's flying it fly baby fly yes <laughs> yeah I wrote that down amazing. there's so many there's so many get the, <laughs> there's a great line which I should have used to open this show which is once again skill and daring have overcome fear and anxiety <laughs> There's an I I love the character of Petroni as well. He's uh, which is George Kennedy. He's the only he's yeah. the only character who is in all four movies. Yes, and I have a note about that. Mm. He his wife changes name and he loses four children between airport and this one. <laughs> Amazing. Um, he, my favorite line of his is he's on the phone hearing about the uh, or he's relaying the information about the accident and he just goes oh it's not a big deal it's just a big hole where the pilots used to sit slams yeah. phone down yeah he's the despite not being one he's the prototypical angry police captain isn't he exactly but the thing is he says that his wife and child are on the plane yeah and it's just like oh okay <laughs> you know i would you know you wouldn't joke about it even then hmm. i need to take issue with some stuff around uh, linda blair's kidney patient oh right yeah so She's laying there. You sit, she's put on the plane and she has to recline for the flight. Um, and she very lightly strums the neck of the guitar with her fingers. And her mother is like, the doctor says you must lie very still. I'm like, she moved her fingers. She wasn't like dancing. They film the guitar like it's haunted. Yeah, well, the, yes. So, <laughs> like, like there's a ghost is going to come out of the guitar and kill the pilot. <laughs> so the reason for that, MacGuffin, is... That it's supposed to signify there is an a vibration in the plane that shouldn't be there. Right. 
Yeah. Which they never really make very clear. No. But and sometimes it will just issue. look at the guitar and it will just go. But yeah. they, they've, instead of it, the guitar making that noise, they do it with the score. So yeah. it's just like a sinister orchestra. So you're like, it's like a haunted guitar. Yeah, it's a haunted guitar. Speaking of the haunted guitar, uh, the nun gets her hands on it. Playing an acoustic guitar on a packed night flight. Fuck you, nun. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, also, yeah. They, they constantly talk about there's 120 people up there. You can get 400 on a 747 and you don't see one empty seat. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? They just want to make it sound bigger, better, get it all, you know. It's, yeah. yeah. You know. The actual crash is hilarious. Like, I laughed out loud yeah. at the... the. So, we called it a Cessna, and it's not a Cessna. No, it is. Hey, hang on, I researched this. Okay. Um, is it a Beechcraft uh, or something? Uh, it's a Beechcraft Baron, yes. No, oh, there you go. Um, which apparently was destroyed in 1989 when, you won't believe this, it collided midair with an actual Cessna. You're kidding. Nope. <laughs> There, there are a lot, a lot of, I think some, some crazy proportion of air crashes happen in those little planes. Yeah, I think, I think mostly because they're owned by idiots, fairly normal people. Like you know, they're, oh. they're not, <laughs> I was going to say know. rich fools who just do what they want to do and don't pay attention to the laws of the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they just, um, they, they tend to be people that aren't. They don't do it for a living necessarily. It's yeah. actually just a mode of transport. You know, yeah, like they, much they, like the guy that. Um, gets killed in the plane who reminded me for some reason of gill from the simpsons you know the salesman who can never make a sale yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think i think he's a bit like uh glengarry Glen ross yes uh, Jack yeah. Lemon, and yeah i think it's that kind of that 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 person i'm, I'm gonna single out something i really liked okay so uh a character turns up called purcell who's the newsman right yeah. uh, and he arrives at the airport also, this movie shifted from being about uh, this franchise shifted from being about airports to being about airplanes really quick, didn't it? It did, yeah. Because well, not that's a where the lot. action is. I know, I know, yeah. but like you know, they're not flying an airport, are they? No, no, exactly. An airport is not about to crash. Um, so this guy Purcell, newsman, turns up at the airport because he's reporting on the story of uh, the Cessna hitting something. He doesn't necessarily know about the jumbo. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, they there's a shot of him doing a piece of camera on a runway as a helicopter lands in the background. He runs up, tries to get his interview with the with the crew, and they go inside the airport and they do all of that in one shot with the helicopter starting completely off screen. Brilliant, yeah. loved yeah. it. I was actually hoping they would do the same in reverse when the crew went back out to get on the helicopter, and they can't, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess and that's one of those things that you when you get great shots like that, I guess it's usually down to the fact that they've literally got one shot at doing it. Yeah. Know, or very few shots at doing it. Oh yeah, um, like to, to reset that has got to be a massive pain in the backside. Absolutely. And the timing on it is perfect as yeah. well. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Some things I didn't like were mm. things like uh the stewardess having a normal conversation with Salt Lake uh, radio tower with a massive fucking hole in the cockpit and her hair not even moving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Lots some of, of that people just wander in and out of that cockpit as well. Yeah, well, you have to. You know, that's it was a lot. I know. You know, I mean, I, I when the first time I went on an aeroplane, I got taken to to the cockpit to see what it was like when I was like eight years old. Yeah, lucky so you, you. Yeah, I know. I'm but I mean, cheap airlines. Well, you could just, I mean, you could just do stuff like that. That, that yeah. you know, then it was, you know, 
that was in what late eighties. So it, yeah, it's it's a different, very much different world we live in now. Yeah, um, very much is. I, I think the uh, if they remade it now, Tom Cruise would be Charlton Heston, and he would wouldn't be such a big hole. And well, yeah, but he would actually do that stunt. Yes, they would actually put a hole in a plane and they would drop him through it. Like no questions, they, do, they, they would they'd do, redo they'd the do cliffhanger that. stunt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's um, I think some of the stuff they do, some of the exterior shots of that stunt look re- really, really cool. Uh, with like the guy hanging from the wire and the yeah, the stuff like that. It's a shame. Yeah, that was the, the that was the stunt coordinator whose mm. name escapes me, but he like he's a really he he's a big deal in the stunt community mm. and has yeah. been for like forty years or whatever, more longer than that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a cool cool idea for a stunt, and I guess like today, you you know, you would either it would either be cgi'd but or you know and on the subject of that they managed to make a helicopter landing and taking off a major event whereas in a modern blockbuster mm. it wouldn't look as impressive with a dozen helicopters and they would all be cg anyway yeah, and but, simply I mean, because they had one real one yeah you've got to like, remember though this is 1975 yes and helicopters have only been about for what, 20 years 25 years i guess so because they, you know, well, the first first ones were early fifties, late, okay. late, very late forties. Um, so like like the, you know, helicopters were a big deal. That's why they. That's yeah, I why don't know much about the the genesis and development of the helicopter. No, they kind of just it went. Leonardo da Vinci had an idea. It sat on a shelf for quite some time, <laughs> and yeah. then helicopters appeared. I think the first 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 time they were actually properly used would be Korea. And right. the little scout helicopters, the two two yeah. two person scout helicopters, the whirly birds, yeah. And then um, yeah. obviously like Vietnam and all that kind of stuff, they they became more and more prominent. But yeah, so like I think helicopters, civil helicopters, are still quite a big deal by that point. Yeah. So there were a couple of things uh, in the uh, trivia that came up for this that I wanted to hit. Okay. Charlton Heston, George Kennedy. The DOP and one of the producers had to run back and forward between this and Earthquake, which was shooting at the same time. Yes, yeah. And Charlton Heston claims in his book he did his final shot on Earthquake and then started this 15 hours later. That's crazy. Have you ever seen Earthquake? <laughs> no. That's a ridiculous film as well. All right. All right. Well, that's that. Um, no. Oh, hang on. There's a crying child. We might have to just wait a second. It's, it's the perils of doing this at home isn't it yeah. it's only if she invades that we have to cut <laughs> can you hear her at all i heard a little wail but it doesn't yeah. matter okay. it's fine we've had all sorts of but when we we're in a soundproof studio they had all sorts of background noises invading didn't they oh, that's true yeah. um here's a hypothetical for you mm. is die hard 2 airport 1990 oh yes that's a great. I never even thought about that. It that's suddenly occurred shout. to me today. Yeah, that yeah. Th- that's actually based on a book called Fifty Eight Minutes. Mm. Yeah, um, which I read because some because <laughs> they reissued the book with with the, the Die Hard Two like video cover on the front of it, yeah. and I read it as a child. I think I was reading Die Hard Two, and then I saw the movie, and I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's a really good shout, and it's funny. Yeah, imagine if that had been part of this franchise instead of the Die Hard oh, franchise. Wow. My 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 wife loves uh, the airport movies, and she also mm. loves Die Hard too. So, yeah. Well, she's a she's a, a plane maniac anyway. She isn't is, she? yeah. She does, does like her planes. And now yeah. we're right under a flight path. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's very easy to keep her quiet. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, something we used to do uh, that I kind of wanted to bring back was alternative titles oh, okay. and yeah. great taglines. Okay. Yeah. So in France, this is called, it's called Airport 75 pretty much everywhere, mm-hmm. but there are some places that is subtitles. So in France, it's called 747 in peril. Nice. And in Germany, it's Giants in the Sky. That's a great title. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, but the tagline is terrifying. The tagline is in quotes, and it's something hit us, the crew is dead, help us please, please help us. <laughs> that was on the posters for this. That's like the bleakest uh, interpretation of this movie. Yeah, and yeah. It, it makes it sound like it's like a dramatization of a real event as well. Yeah, like, does, that's actually. what I would think. Like this is a quote from someone who is actually on the plane. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, right. It does. Yeah, it makes it seem a bit more gritty. And yeah. uh, and this one, I think, tries to be a bit lighter in its humor than I think so too. Airport. There is a lot of humor in it. Yeah, like uh, there's I, the actor who's who's like trying to point out that he's in the in-flight movie, which yeah. is American Graffiti, by the way. Yes, yeah, yeah, and he just has only taken the flight to see himself in that to see movie. the movie, yeah. and then the the print breaks before it gets to his scene. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and they do humour like there's the, <laughs> there's the old woman who says, "I feel queasy. I'll have a bourbon with a beer chaser." Yes, yeah, the <laughs> boiler maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. I think they they introduced that a lot. I'm trying to remember if there's a lot of humour in the third one. I can't even remember the first one, to be honest. I meant to go back yeah. and listen to our episode because I don't remember anything about it. The, but I do know that I quite I quite enjoyed this in that Sunday kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I think that's um, what these movies are. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. And the, the yeah. third one, I think, is an even more ridiculous scenario and even bigger named stars. So Yes. And then you said, like, the Concord one is, is oh, just, that's just utterly bananas. Yeah, that's almost like, oh, Canon have taken over the franchise. <laughs> Maybe they did. Yeah, it's, it's quite yeah. possible, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting because like there were points where it felt dragged out. Mm. Like, yeah. I'm like, there's not enough story for a movie here. Like, no. it felt like I wrote, it should be an episode of MacGyver where they have to figure out how to game onto a damaged jet. Yes, and absolutely. then I looked, yeah. and I was shocked. There were only ten minutes left. Oh right, okay. So it both dragged yeah. and sped by at the same time, which was nuts. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those, one of those things that it's it's all about the someone's gone that's a great plot idea and then it's just like but it's supposed to be an epic disaster movie so it's got to yeah. be two hours let's yeah. stretch it out stretch it out because yeah. it's 40 minutes in that the the plane yeah. doesn't hit it until it's, 40 minutes it's in. actually dead on 40 minutes in where the collision happens there's yeah. a lot of setup beforehand mm. yeah which yeah. i guess there is in airport as well because airport's quite yeah. slow paced like that because it's all about the the onset of of the storm isn't it yeah. so it's a bit of a slow burner and you you get yeah. to learn all of these massive sprawling characters which they don't there's a lot of character set up but it's in a much more confined space so it takes a little bit less time i guess hmm. i um, guess i can sum it up as enjoyable bollocks <laughs> yes yeah. yeah that sums up the like it's franchise. utter crap but i had a, i actually had quite a good time watching it yeah it, it, oh, it's, it's fun it's fun that's exactly yeah. what i hoped um Marvelous. That, that you would get out of it yeah, yeah. righty uh shall we move on to Pitches for next week? Yes, absolutely we can, yeah. Uh, we're going to flip a coin to see who goes first? Yeah, yeah, go on in. Have you got a coin? I haven't got a coin. No, I don't uh, But I do have my notes. Um, what have you got? I am pitching you. Um, <clears throat> so previously, we have discovered that you have a blank spot when it comes to anime. Yes, I do. Like Japanese animated movies yes. don't go in your head no. at all. No. So we no. did, we've did. we done um, Studio Ghibli's um, 
uh, Porco Rosso, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite films. And yeah. you were a bit, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I have found for you, I'm wondering if it's the Japanese thing, because I okay. found for you the most Studio Ghibli film not made by Studio Ghibli. Okay. All right. Song of the Sea. Right. I don't even it's even heard Irish, of it. It's oh, an okay. Irish animated film. Right. Uh, from 2014, I think. Um, and I saw this on a plane. Mm. Uh, yeah, it would have been not long after that. Um, and just, I don't understand, and this is going to be the test for you, I don't understand how anyone can't adore this, not even on like just a pure aesthetic level. Okay. Um, Interesting. If you say anything bad about this film, this show is cancelled. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair um, interestingly, I um, hadn't, I remembered really liking it, but I hadn't actually seen it again until this weekend right. when it came to writing the picture in my notes. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty much just going to give you the premise. Okay. Um, after their mother's death, uh, lighthouse keeper Connor lives with his children, Ben, who's about 10, and Saoirse, who is six, and mute. Right. Um, after finding Saoirse washed up on the shore one morning, their visiting grandmother takes the children away to live with her in Dublin, leaving behind their beloved dog, Koo. They get sent to bed early on Halloween night and then escape from grandma's house to set out home and, or at least find their dog. Okay. The quest becomes a bit more urgent when Saoirse becomes sick on the journey after the revelation that she might actually be a selkie, a magical creature from Irish folklore that lives with a human on land and a seal in the sea. Oh, And that her singing... And singing a specific song, the Song of the Sea, can not only save her, but many other fantastical beings of Ireland. Oh, okay. Intriguing. That seems like it takes yeah. a bit of a dramatic turn. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I, we'll might, I might have spiced that up a little bit to give it right. an error <laughs> in, in, into like two separate paragraphs. It, it, it winds together a bit more than that earlier on. Okay. Um, right. uh, and it's... It's just such a re- it's a really nice story. Um, the animation style is so pretty; it looks like a children's picture book comes come to life. Okay, All right. You know, there's the there's the Twitter account every frame a painting. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's this. Every frame is a painting. Okay, I, I mean, like it literally is. Like this is hand drawn. There are a couple of CG elements, but it was largely hand drawn. Oh wow! Okay, um, and yeah. It's, I loved it. It's wonderful. It's just so nice. Okay. Well, I, I think you can. I think you can. It's one of those films you can show to absolutely anyone. Okay. I think your your daughter, even at the age she is now, would probably find something she liked in it. Okay, that sounds intriguing because, like you say, an, animation. I have a yeah. It's a weird thing I have, particularly with anime. So this will, will yeah. be interesting because obviously, since I've had my daughter, I've watched a lot more animation than I might normally. Yeah, I bet you and, have. And. There is, you know, there's there's not much of it that I don't like. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if it is a specific Japanese aesthetic mm. that I find I find difficult to kind of engage with. There are yeah. certainly things that she watches that I'm less interested in than others. But, How much Peppa know, Pig have you had to watch? None. We don't do Peppa really? Pig. No, because uh, if you watch it, Peppa Pig is actually a com- absolute horrible little cow. 
<laughs> she's just an awful person. And we I haven't just, seen enough of it to know. We just didn't like her attitude, like how, like her, as a character, we just don't think it would be a good influence on our daughter. So we just we we don't do Peppa Pig, and um, we do enough. we do other things instead, um, like Bing, which uh, she loves, and is it it it's a lot more, it's a lot nicer. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Peppa Pig just seems to be a little shit and get away with everything. It's just like, well, I don't want my daughter to be like that. Um, and there's the title of this episode: Peppa Pig is a little shit. Yes, um, <laughs> it's only slightly better, slightly better than Would You Fuck This Monkey? <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, my pitch: um, I am going to pitch you an Ealing comedy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm trying to think if we've ever done an Ealing comedy before on the show. Um, oh, now there's a question. I'm not sure we have because I think we've I don't probably think we seen either. quite a lot of them. And it just occurred to me. I that... don't think I have seen quite oh, a lot okay. of them. Fair the enough. only one I can actually think of is The Lady Killers. Okay, right. All right. So I'm going to pitch you a film called The Man in the White Suit, um, right. which is uh, a classic Ealing comedy. It's probably actually not as comedic as The Lady Killers, certainly, hmm. but it is another iconic Alec Guinness lead. Um, hmm. It's the the essential plot is uh, there's a guy played by Alec Guinness who is he's like a biochemist who is obsessed with trying to create a synthetic material that is indestructible and never gets dirty and never uh, and never kind of falls apart okay. um, and he gets jobs in uh sort of textile mills in the midlands and tries to conduct these experiments and they all inevitably get end up getting him fired uh so he uh, until he finds a way to get himself entrenched in one of the mills where he can actually conduct his experiments and they kind of get behind it um, okay. and then it, it kind of almost ends up becoming a commentary on industry and how industries need to survive and it's surprising right. it's surprisingly timely like it like there's a lot of stuff now that's still like you watch this and you think okay this is always going to be a problem with mass, is it, mass I, large-scale industry yeah is it it's like the, the kind of the 1950s version of the apple built to fail conspiracy Pr- pretty much yes yeah um but you know there's some comedy along the way the the thing that i think really stands out about this it's not like i said it's not as comedic as some of the other reading comedies although there are some mm. funny moments in it the script is very good it's very tight and it actually got nominated for an academy award for its screenplay um mm. it's the sound design and the lighting okay they're the, they're the things it's almost noir-esque in its lighting the guy who was cinematographer on it is someone you will be familiar with and that's douglas slocum and he did indiana jones okay. Do you remember we watched? Right. Do you remember we watched the black and white version? That, that yes. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you will see uh, how close this looks to that. Interesting. And and it and some of the stuff he pulls off with the lighting, I still don't understand how he did it. <laughs> I can't. I've been trying to look it up. I've been trying to research it. There's stuff he Have you does. Been practicing? No, but there's stuff he does making this making a particular suit look the way it does. Hmm. And I've been trying to figure out how he's done it. But you'll see when you watch the movie. Um, yeah, okay. And and yeah, and the sound design in particular, the sound effects were were 
like the first of their kind the the sound effects of his his um his apparatus um but right. sort of bubbling away and stuff were 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 engineered in a very unusual way and I'm pretty sure have been reused over and over and over again for any kind of laboratory or uh, biochemical process. I'm pretty sure they turn up in Willy Wonka's and uh, the Chocolate Factory, right. and okay. you know, so it, th- there's a lot of that sort of stuff that's kind of interesting within it. So yeah, it's kind of something I think we sh- we should take a look at, and it would be fun to look at from a from a film making point of view as well as like like a hmm. socio political point of view in a in a way, weird way. Hmm. Yeah. So it seems like we're in for quite a nice and gentle week next week. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess it's time for me to do the usuals then. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. If you have seen Song of the Sea or The Man in the White Suit, or in fact any of the films we have uh, talked about in this run, uh, let's discount the season one because that's way too many films to get into. If you've seen any of the stuff we talked about in season two so far, uh, you can get in contact with us uh, on Twitter at HYS Podcast. We also have Instagram, which is also at HYS Podcast. Uh, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash have you seen. The website is have you seen.net and the email address is hyspodcast at gmail.com. I do have that all written down, but it's not here. It's there and I can't see it while I'm looking here. I think I got all that out. Let me just ch- double check the note. What are you shaking your head for? Nothing, nothing. I can make you do it. No, it's fine. Hang on. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, website, email. The other thing we have to plug that's fairly important is uh, Tom's feature-length documentary on the uh, male perspective of fertility treatment. It is called The Easy Bit and is available to rent at uh, on Vimeo, vimeo.com slash on-demand slash The Easy Bit. And new for July 2020, uh, available to rent uh, on the Amazon Prime video platform. So it's not included with your Prime subscription, but you can rent it on there as well as on Vimeo. Yeah, I think. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's 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 uh, available for rental on Prime Video. It's the, there it's the official line. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So it's there, there, there as well. You can do that bit next week. Yeah, that's fine. You can be in charge of plugging your own shit. Fair enough. Um, oh, uh, one thing I will say, uh, I've been doing some polls on Instagram Stories. Uh, okay. Based on the 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 ep- on the movies that we've watched in that episode, uh, the most interesting one I did was. Uh, if you could watch one movie tonight, what would it be? Smoking the Bandit or About Time? Yes. What do you think the results were? I have a feeling it's going to be one hundred percent Smoking and the Bandit. No, but it, I, 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 I thought it would actually be pretty fifty-fifty. It was seventy-eight mm-hmm. percent Smoking the Bandit, twenty-two percent About Time. And interestingly, though, when I asked, you know, is is Smoking the Bandit a good movie? Got a hundred percent yes. Is About Time a good movie? Again, it was about seventy-thirty. And that surprised me. I was, I was, That's I was interesting. Yeah, I, I was thought, oh, okay. So I'm going to try and do that for every episode. Do okay. a couple of polls on Instagram stories like a couple that of days a, after the show goes out. Okay. Yeah. There's an insight into our listenership, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Smoking the bandit all the way. And that seems as good a point as any to end it. Uh, yeah. We'll see you next week for Song of the Sea and The Man in the White Suit. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>